is all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? No. Fugazi. It's a uh, fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. What's happening, everyone? Welcome back into the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Another new show coming at you. It's a lot of new shit this week. This will be known here forever, known as Hot Commodities. So it'll be me and Danny. We'll be doing a lot of your typical redraft content, your breakouts, your sleepers, your busts, your rankings. We're not going to quite get into rankings yet. We're going to let the uh, Dynasty guys get through theirs first because it's more relevant right now at this time of the year. But um, uh, Danny, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. I mean, uh, we've been doing our research, and th- these guys are going criminally underrated in, uh, <laughs> in uh, redrafts, to say the least, right now. So uh, just hyped to get, get on and uh, get the content out, make sure these people know uh, who to target, right? Yeah, so I uh, actually don't even think I said what we're doing today. Uh, we are going over, um, we're going over our breakouts slash uh, league winner types. So these are like high upside guys that we made a, a stipulation that they can't be going in the first six rounds. So um, guys that are a little bit more risky, a little more dart throw like, uh, and we're going to be saying these guys can win you a league. Like if you hit on this person, like he will win you a league. So, um, make sure you guys, uh, I'll say this at the beginning of the video, cause we always save it for the end. We should really be saying it earlier. Make sure you guys like comment, subscribe as well. Uh, comment down below who your breakout picks are, um, who you think could be a league winner. If you disagree with us, tell us why, um, without further ado. Running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ronald Jones, is my first potential league winner. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm probably biased as shit. You're damn right I am. Uh, but here's, here's the case here. Ronald Jones is the RB38 off the board. He's going pick 87 to 703. So he barely meets the requirements for not being a top six-round pick. But um, his, team, his teammate is now teammate. And uh, uh, third-round pick this past year, Keyshawn Vaughn, is actually going two, he- two rounds ahead of him which to me is ridiculous. And the reason being is that Ronald Jones is no slouch. Ronald Jones is a solid on NFL running back. Who, he made major improvements last year as a receiver, and he's likely going to do the same in pass protection. I know a lot of the, the Keyshawn Vaughn truthers are thinking like, oh, he's a better pass protector. He's going to step in because Ronald Jones is going to blow one blitz pickup in practice and he'll be off the starting job. That's not exactly how it works. One, we don't know how good Keyshawn Vaughn actually is in pass protection because there's a difference between college protections and NFL protection protections. So Ronald Jones being that he's in his second year of the system where his rookie year, he didn't know how to pass protect because he was a rookie. His second year, he didn't know how to pass protect because it was a new system from when he was a rookie. So this year he should be much more comfortable with it. Plus I, I know Ronald Jones last year made big strides in the receiving game. As I mentioned, he's likely going to do the same in pass protection because he knows it's his, his path to more touches, more playing time. So um, let's, let's start with how, what the team told us by picking Keyshawn Vaughn. So they picked him in the third round. Uh, there was a big five running backs in this class. Uh, Cam Akers from Florida state, JK Dobbins from Ohio state were on the board at their second round pick, pick 45. They instead chose to select Antoine Winfield Jr., much to Danny's pleasure because he loves Antoine Winfield. But nonetheless, they passed on two much better running backs than Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, If they didn't believe in Ronald Jones, they would have probably favored running back because it would have been stacked higher on their board because teams do draft based on need. It's how they stack their board. Um, Now I want to go back to Monday, uh, my Monday video. What was Black Monday lesson number one? 
do not load up on rookie running backs that have a capable veteran in-house. That's the rule. Bruce Arians is not going to let a rookie be his workhorse. You don't believe me? Here, we're going to dive into the stats. On the screen right now, you will be seeing David Johnson's 2015 stats. Now, if anyone remembers David Johnson or had him in fantasy or just watched football that year, they know how extremely efficient he was. He came out the first two weeks of the season, and he had a kick return touchdown, and he scored a 55-yard receiving touchdown in his first game. So he was super efficient, and um, for the first 11 weeks of the season, he shared uh, playing time with uh, Chris Johnson, who was – 30-something years old at the time and actually just got shot in the offseason that year. So Chris Johnson was the one taking away touches from David Johnson uh, to the point that David Johnson only had a 30% snap share, 35 carries, 25 receptions, but seven touchdowns and a return touchdown. So with that limited volume, he was more efficient than CJ2K by a mile. And from both a rushing, receiving, special teams standpoint, he averaged over four yards a carry and nearly 10 yards per reception. So any, like any other coach, and I, I, I say this as a Bucks fan, Bruce Arians is a little stubborn with rookies. It's, it's a little bit of a downfall of his. Any other coach would have slowly started working the rookie into the primary role at that point in the season. Week 11 is when Chris Johnson actually eventually got hurt. So DJ was good at the end of the year in 2015, but it was because Chris Johnson got hurt. It was not because he earned the job. So I don't want to bank on Ronald Jones getting injured. He hasn't shown me anything in his NFL career to tell me that he's going to be injury prone or that he's likely to get injured. So, and here's a, here's a nugget I picked up on, uh, on the weekend. I actually went back and I rewatched uh, some of all or nothing because I'm a Bucks fan. I want to see my, my coach in action. Right. So on all or nothing, the first episode after the first two regular season games, as I mentioned, David Johnson went off in those games. Uh, Bruce Arians is quoted in a meeting as saying, DJ will be a workhorse by Thanksgiving. Don't want to put too much on the rookie's plate. He said that like word for word. If you don't believe me, go check. Uh, and keep in mind, Andre Ellington was actually the starter that year. He went down week one. So David Johnson was third in the pecking order, third. So in a potentially uh, shortened off season, do we think this learning curve will be any different or any easier for Keyshawn Vaughn? They might not have training camp or they might have a abbreviated version of training camp. In this, in this outrageous comparison, too, we also need to assume that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be as good as David Johnson was his rookie year for this to even hold water, which I, I don't think he's that. going to be. Rojo is as good as CJ2K, and he's better. Uh, as I mentioned, as CJ2K coming off a, god, a goddamn gunshot wound. Um, and the best case scenario for this season was we got a workhorse in week 12 when CJ2K went down. So if you want to draft Keyshawn Vaughn in the sixth round, Go ahead, because you're not getting a workhorse until week 12. Um, to me, it's just, a compl it's just completely ridiculous. Ronald Jones is going to get 200-plus carries. It's going to happen. Uh, I think Keyshawn Vaughn will be involved. I think he's going to eventually work it at best, though, into a 50-50 timeshare. I don't think there's any point in this season that Keyshawn Vaughn is the primary running back unless there's an injury. So... In Dynasty, maybe you're looking more long-term. Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe. You're, like, it, it could happen. He could overtake the job at some point. But it will not happen as rookie year. I'm willing to bet as much as I possibly could on that. Yeah, just to, just to interject with that. I mean, we're talking about David Johnson. Like, now when people think of David Johnson, oh, the guy who doesn't look like he can get accelerated behind the Cardinals offensive line last year. No, we're talking about David Johnson before he got hurt, before he lost all his real acceleration speed, basically before he lost his talent.
Because at one point, David Johnson was a top five talent at the running back position. He was the, he was the best running back in fantasy the next year. He, in 2016, keep in mind, yeah. he was, we, we recently did our quiz video. He was a top seven running back of all time, for the record. Yeah. And Bruce Arians kept him off the field for CJ2K as Bush mentioned got shot. Like, dude, yeah. it, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. Cause like we're talking DJ who clearly showed that talent versus Keyshawn Vaughn's a fine back. He's a good back. He's a decent talent. He's not going to be a top five talent in the, in the NFL like David Johnson was and showed in his rookie year. Like you said, eight total touchdowns on, was that 60 total 60 touches? touches? That's ridiculous. Like, you, you, that's ridiculous. You're turning more than one out of every touches into a touchdown. It's just mm-hmm. insanity, flat out. Keyshawn Vaughn's not even going to be even remotely that efficient. And we, as Bush just said, like, he's not going to get a workhorse role. Like, David Johnson get into week 12. Keyshawn Vaughn, who we're assuming isn't even close to as talented as David Johnson, is under the same system. So, and Rojo's I, much better than, than Chris Johnson. I like it. If people didn't facts. watch Rojo last year, he was like, uh, I believe up until like week nine, PFF had them as his, their number one graded running back. Like he was elusive. He was breaking tackles. He was efficient on the goal line. He was very, very good last year. He struggled in pass protection. I've, I've already mentioned this. If he can improve that, he will be a league winning running back. I will call that out right now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Uh, that's, uh, that kind of, it doesn't really segue into my next guy, but uh, we're talking about basically just underrated values in general. I mean, Marvin Jones Jr., wide receiver from the Detroit Lions, is going as the wide receiver 38 right now, which is just flat-out insanity to me to begin with. Uh, currently going behind the lights of A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton, Julian Edelman. Like, come on, guys, don't do that. Don't take those guys over Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, to start with, I mean uh, – in the last three years alone, Marvin Jones Jr. has put up 14.9 points per game in 2019, 12.9 points per game in 2018, and 14.1 points per game in 2017, all PPR formats. His averages last year equated to the wide receiver 21 in PPR formats. Again, he missed the last two games uh, of the fantasy season. We have seen over the years that the Detroit, when the Detroit offense is clicking, it has been the duo of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones catching passes from Gunslinger, Matt Stafford. Plain and simple. We've seen it over the years. In the games that Matt Stafford played last year, in the eight games that he played, that team that ultimately got the third overall pick averaged 25.5 points per game in those first eight games, ranking tied for seventh league-wide with the New England Patriots. And going through these stats, I mean, with St- obviously with Stafford on the field, Marvin was a different beast, like flat out statistically. Uh, 16.49 points per game with Stafford on the field would have ranked him eighth overall in, le- uh, in the league in PPR formats. And uh, a, dra- a graphic should show on the screen right now with his splits with and without Stafford. So in the eight games he played with Matt Stafford, he averaged, again, the 16.49 points per game in PPR formats on 5.25 catches for 66.88 touch- uh, receiving yards and 0.75 touchdowns per game. Like, that's... That's a wide receiver one. That's a top 10 receiver in terms of production. That's going as the wide receiver 38 right now. So uh, all in all, with this current ADP of wide receiver 38, you're getting a great value potential wide receiver two for, straight up from the bargain bin. Drafting uh, is about voiding lot mines at the top and recognizing gems at the bottom, plain and simple. Marvin Jones just presents crazy value where he's going. And if you're looking for that steady wide receiver two, he's easily a top option to, that you can get a, Cheap, cheap. Like, why receiver 38, guys? Don't overthink it. 
Yeah, this is exactly why. I, like uh, Again, I'll go back to our Black Monday episode. What, what, fantasy strategy, redraft strategy number two, wait on receiver. This is why. There, we're going to get into two more guys that I have on my list, why you need to wait on receiver. Receiver, as Danny mentioned, they're a dime a dozen. There's going to be gems in the late rounds. No one thought Cortland, like Cortland Sutton was a gem. Who's like, And I'm not talking about a guy that you could stream a couple weeks. Like Cortland Sutton was a wide receiver one that you started week in and week out. There's going to be guys like that this year. Um, like Marvin Jones is consistently undervalued. It's all, it's always Marvin Jones ever. Like I love Kenny Galladay, but like Marvin Jones is like almost as good as Kenny Galladay. Like when they're on the field together, their production is very similar. Matt Stafford. I don't know if anyone like noticed this or not, but he was having like on pace for like an MVP caliber, like statistical, statistical, like season for a quarterback. Uh, I actually was playing incredibly well. They were competing with, they, they took the chiefs to like down to the, down to the wire they would have beaten the Packers if it wasn't for a bullshit call like they were a good team who threw the ball and were, were efficient in doing so uh, I'll, I'll put a graphic up right now I mean Matt Stafford played in eight games last year he was on pace for over 5,000 passing yards and 38 touchdowns which is why I mean we'll, we'll get into why I like Stafford and redraft as well but we're talking about Marvin Jones strictly if Matt Stafford is able to stay healthy with the back injury there's no doubt in my mind at the very minimum Marvin Jones is going to give you top 20 value at the very minimum with the potential to be uh, a low-end uh, wide receiver one, in my opinion. So getting him where he's going is just flat-out robbery. Yeah. So um, as I said, we, we're, we're talking about a lot of – we got two more receivers up on this list. And let me ask you a question. Does We're talking about fantasy um, league winners. Does anyone know who was the most common player on championship-winning fantasy rosters last year? It was not CMC. It was not A.J. Brown. It was not Devontae Parker. Those guys were all close, but it was Brashad Perryman. He was the most common player on championship winning rosters last year. So this is the whole topic of this show. So he can definitely do it. He's done it before. Uh, and I know what you're about to say. You're probably thinking like, well, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were out. Well, you'd be correct. Chris Godwin, uh, Evans left halfway through week 14 against the Colts and Godwin left halfway through week 15 against the Lions. Uh, I'll be putting a his his splits from week uh, 13 to week 17 which was they were some of them were they had uh, Godwin and Evans in the lineup and Perriman was consistent he was he got at least six receptions in every one of the games and he had like 70 plus yards in every one of the games he also had boom games where he had multiple touchdowns as well I was at the Lions game that he had multiple touchdowns in um so BP looked good last year, like, the, like straight up. Like, he was a bust the first couple years of his career, but he straight up looked good. He looked bad the first couple weeks once he got acclimated to Bruce Arians' system. He was starting to produce, and he got volume because of it. Um, so, I, I mentioned Chris Godwin and Mike Evans before. They were out. I, like, that's a valid point. But guess who's not on the Jets? Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? Like, <laughs> no, not even close. Rashad Perriman is, without a doubt, easily the most talented receiver on the team. And the only guy that would have been as talented as, as him is gone. Robbie Anderson departed and left behind 96 targets, 52 receptions, nearly 800 yards, and five touchdowns. Brashad Perriman is going to fill the exact same role Robbie Anderson is. They, they're the same type of receiver. They're both downfield threats. Brashad Perriman's actually bigger, and he probably, like, from what I saw last year, he's a little bit more of a complete receiver as well. So I think he has room to grow in, I believe, Quincy Anunua was also put on IR or something like that uh recently and he can also take um targets away from that role so 
the additions to the offensive line that the Jets made should help improve their offense, and especially for someone like Perriman, who's a downfield threat, should give Darnold some more time to find him. Uh, Makai Becton and others obviously would um, contribute to this, and I know what you're thinking, Denzel Mims came in, but Denzel Mims is not a pro-ready receiver. I like Denzel Mims, but he's going to take some time to develop. He's not Jerry Judy, who would, like, if Jerry Judy went here, it would be a little bit more concerning because Jerry Judy is much more ready to play right now than Denzel Mims is. And maybe Denzel Mims is um, is ready down the line, but we're not talking dynasty right now. We're talking redraft. And next year, Brashad Perryman is the number one receiver on that team. Uh, so he could be a league winner, mainly because he's done it before. And I also expect a chemistry struggle similar to the one he experienced with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay um, with him and Sam Darnold. And I think Case will be fired by week six, to be honest. So Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I've and said that it. connection – could be cultivated by the time Gase is fired and Gase's offense is very inefficient. They target guys like Jarvis Landry and Jamison Crowder way too much. So maybe they'll realize by that point that Brashad Perriman needs to be featured in their offense. And as far as the, I like putting these connections together, the type of uh, quarterback that a, a new receiver is going to Sam Darnold's a lot like Jameis Winston. People don't want to admit it, but Sam Darnold will throw it up. If you, if he trusts his receiver, he's a D gaffer. He like, he struggles with turnovers for this reason, but He's good for fantasy receivers. If Sam Darnold can put it together, which obviously Gase being fired would help do that, um, then Sam Darnold and Brashad Perriman, I, like, I, wouldn't, I would not be shocked if by week 10, Brashad Perriman gets extended. He's on a one-year deal. It wouldn't shock me if the, he's playing so well that he gets extended because they want to keep Sam Darnold with a, with a weapon. And who knows, maybe he's this year's Devontae Parker. He breaks out in his fifth year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, again, former first round pick. So uh, similar to Parker, uh, struggled th- throughout his first four years. Now he really has an opportunity to really uh, show show himself as a talent. He showed it down the stretch last year, obviously, as you mentioned, week 13. No one's going to talk about him too. Like I guarantee you listen to any of the big fantasy podcasts out there. No one will talk about Rashad Perriman because he's on the Jets. That's yeah. just the fact. But the, the reality is, is there's gems in these situations. No one talked about Terry McLaurin last year because he was on the Redskins. But the reality is someone's got to catch the ball. Heck, They're going mean, to throw the ball. Their defense is okay. Like they, they generally just outperform based on the talent that they actually have on their defense, which is weird, but someone's going to have to catch the ball. And Brashad Perryman is the best one on the team. Heck, what I don't understand is like, I, again, I, I'm a victim to it as well. Like we all believe, I, I'm not sure about you. I know you're lower on Darnold, but the majority of people believe that Sam Darnold is going to be a talented quarterback with when, when given more opportunity, going to show himself to be a good quarterback. Well, if we, if we all believe this, and he's got a weapon in Brashad Perriman that they signed. How are we going to believe that Sam Darnold's going to take that next step, but Brashad Perriman's not going to step with him? Like, yeah, who, who's, sure. who's he going to throw the ball to if he's making that step? So I, I'm a proponent of it. I like Sam Darnold. I know you're lower, but... Uh, I, I, like, I like Sam Darnold. I don't like Adam Gaze. Got you. Okay. Uh, uh, I actually didn't mention where he was going, by the way. He's going wide receiver 58. That's ridiculous. 58. 146 overall, 1202. You can get him in the 12th round. Like, this is not your wide receiver two or three. This is your wide receiver five or six. Like, and he has this kind of upside. Like, he, like, bold prediction. Like, his ceiling is top 15. Like, he could be a top 15 uh, fantasy wide receiver next year. Like, it wouldn't shock me. For sure. It I'd would be a little bit, but it wouldn't shock me, like, a lot. Because the, the blueprint is there. The opportunity is there. The talent's there. The um, vacated productions there, like everything is there for Brashad Perriman to take this step forward, to help Sam Darnold take this step forward, and for him to become a, like a real asset in fantasy. Again, like we've seen it happen with Robbie Anderson. Like what's truly, from a talent's perspective, what's separating Brashad Perriman from Robbie Anderson? 
They're the same like, player. Yeah, like I said, I think he's more complete. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're both deep threats. Brashad Perriman's bigger, so he has, like, that element to it, like, uh, size element. But Brashad Perriman showed me, like, he's the third best receiver on my favorite team last year. He showed me that he, he can actually run routes. Like, he made some toe-tapping, like, sideline. Like, he actually looked good. Like, he, like I've never said that about Brashad Perriman until this past year. Yeah, and I, I remember it firsthand as well. Uh, Fantasy Championships Week 16 versus the the freaking uh, Houston Texans. I started Brashad Perriman because I knew the guy I was playing had Jameis Winston. 102. He had Jameis Winston, you, so I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me throw Brashad Perriman to my lineup as a blocker. Sure enough, Winston craps the bed. Brashad Perriman ends up snapping in yeah, that game. 22 and, plus PPR points. <laughs> yeah, no, 12 alone on receptions. Insanity. But yeah, go, going into my guy, uh, actually has, to, has a little Buccaneer connection too, uh, similar to your guy. I'm talking about uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, Falcons tight end, currently going as the tight end 12. Obviously, I didn't mention he didn't play for the Bucs, but his offensive coordinator is from the Bucs. I'll get into that. Uh, as Corey has mentioned multiple times, spotting a breakout tight end in fantasy is crucial in correlation to success in that season. Uh, he actually tweeted out, I'm going to link the tweet uh, in the video, but percentage of tight ends on playoff rosters. So for 2018, George Kittle at 59.4%, Eric Ebron at 57.1%, and Jared Cook at 50%, all ranked in the top four for uh, correlation between uh, championship rosters and uh, the tight ends that were on that roster. What did all those guys have in common? They were all late-round tight ends that year. Okay, a one-year sample, okay, whatever. Like, it doesn't mean much, right? Let's go into last year as well. 2019. Darren Waller at 63.4%, ranked first. Mark Andrews at 58.9%, ranked third. Austin Hooper at 54.5%, same team that Aiden Nurse is actually occupying right now, ranked fourth. Hitting it on a breakdown, uh, breakout tight end at the position is just flat-out league winning. League winning. So, uh, again, we, should, we showed Kelsey those numbers. Kelsey was the other two. Like, the in-between everyone, Kelsey yeah. was the two in-between. But Kelsey's just a god, so we're not Yeah, I mean, Ted had won the past four years. I mean, obviously, yeah. he's going to get you to a championship. But, uh, yeah, going, going into that, Hayden Hurst is that guy poised to produce at that elite level this year. And at tight end 12 in redraft, that's just an absolute steal. Uh, the Falcons are a team that throw the pigskin all across the field. Ranking first and past the run split at 66.7% last season, Dirk Cutter had this offense just chucking it. And speaking of Cutter, you know, Buccaneer great. Uh, this dude just loves getting his tight ends the ball, as Bush uh, will probably get into a little bit right now. Yeah, if you, if you don't believe me when I say that Dirk Cutter knows how to use tight ends, he does a lot of things poorly. But uh, if you saw what O.J. Howard did without Dirk Cutter last year, what Cameron Braid has done without Dirk Cutter, that's why. It's because Dirk Cutter knows how to feature tight ends. Bruce Aarons does not. Maybe sure. Sean Brady will help him learn that. But as of right now, Dirk Cutter is one of the best fantasy tight end options you could have as a coach for sure. And, and I mean, speaking of that production uh, with Hooper last year, obviously I briefly prefaced it last season, Austin Hooper consumed an 18.5% target market share in his 13 games that he played, obviously missed three to injury and was tight end three in PPR format formats and points per game at the position. And uh, I'll be showing a graphic on the screen right now. Just again, show, showing the target market share, showing the hog rate, deep targets, targets, route participation. Uh, they'll be available for you guys to see. Enter Hayden Hurst, a player who compares favorably to Austin Hooper from an athletic standpoint, is arguably just even more talented as a player. Former first-round pick in 2017. Uh, 25th overall pick was actually picked before Lamar Jackson in that draft, oddly enough. Uh, Right now, I'll just show you the uh, comparison between them. But Hayden Hurst at 6'5", 250 pounds, ran a 4.67, had a speed score of 105.9, burst score of 115.1, 
uh, agility score of 11.56 and a catch radius of 9.97. When in comparison to Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper stands at 6'4", 254 pounds with a 4.7240 yard dash, 108.8 speed score, 116.3 burst score, 11.32 agility score, and a 10.09 catch radius. Similar numbers, plain and simple. So given these factors, I would not be at all shocked if Hurst was able to replicate the type of production left by Hooper this past season. Taking a guy with this potential upside at tight end 12, currently behind guys like Jared Cook and Rob Gronkowski is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, don't draft Gronk. I'm a Bucks fan. Don't draft Gronk. <laughs> it's like, just plain and simple. I don't understand how people are taking Jared Cook and Rob Gronkowski ahead of Hayden Hurst right now. The one thing that you didn't mention that I, I just thought of is some, some objection that someone might have to this. If, well, well, if Hayden Hurst was so good, why didn't the Ravens know to use him? The Ravens obviously know how to tailor their offense out of uh, – based on the talent that they have. Here's why. Hayden Hurst got injured his rookie year. Mark Andrews was also a very talented tight end, probably more like very likely more talented than Hayden Hurst will ever be. Um, Mark Andrews saw the opportunity because Hayden Hurst got injured his rookie year. There's a, a very telling statistic. If you get hurt your rookie year, it's very hard to come back from that and learn an offense. Luckily for Hurst, he got traded for it. And the Falcons gave up a second and a fifth for him. That's not like your average, like this guy's a bust, like pick that you got like traded for for reference the first tight end picked in this year's draft was cole Komet inside the top 45 the falcons gave up more for hurst than Komet was taken in this year's draft just just for reference in terms of draft capital so i mean they gave up a second and fifth for hurst the first tight end came off at pick 43 i believe so it just shows you i mean they, they believe in the talent they acquired a player ultimately that uh fills a big vacated production role that austin hooper left uh joining the cleveland browns i think it's a no-brainer he's a locked in type top 10 tight end oh, yeah. being picked at 12 right now and yeah as i mentioned in the redraft video on monday like late tight ends like it's the way to go take a couple of them if you don't believe in hurst completely take johnny smith too like take whoever mike gusecki also like these kind of guys and they're not hard to predict. Like, like what Danny did, like any one of us could have done this. Like we're not going to like Austin Hooper left behind a good role. Dirk Cutter's good for tight ends. It's like, it only makes sense. Like if Hayden Hurst isn't good, I'll be very shocked. Like I'm not going to be shocked if he is good because that's what I expect to happen. So if he isn't good, it's probably because of injury or like, like some other factor that I couldn't have predicted. Cause if everything is, is vanilla and everything's good, then he should be, he should be very valuable for fantasy. Yeah. I fully agree there. Uh, yeah, just mentioned, made my argument, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, so I'm going to get into a guy that everyone's going to roll their eyes as soon as I say his name. Uh, Will Fuller, everyone's favorite breakout candidate. Uh, wide receiver 34 off the board, again, barely inside the guidelines, pick 701, literally the first pick of the seventh round. So, Will Fuller, I'm going to be putting a, uh, a uh, game splits thing on the, on the screen. This is a splits with and without Deshaun Watson. That's very important because – both Watson and Will Fuller have been very good when they're together. In splits, Will Fuller's been 14.73 PPR points per game. Would have ranked him last year as the wide receiver 12 behind Devontae Parker. So, And the reason I use points per game is because Will Fuller's always hurt. So I can't use his finishes because he's always hurt. And that's the issue with Will Fuller, obviously. A lot of people draft Will Fuller every year, and he's got busted hammies, so he never plays the full year. He obviously has an injury history. I understand that. The thing is, though, this is a very documented thing. Any sports medicine doctor will tell you this. People in the NFL, and we saw it with Devontae Parker last year, they learn how to take care of their bodies. The more that they're a pro athlete and the, the better training and better condition that they get, they learn how to take care of their bodies. This is especially true for guys who get 
soft tissue injuries, which is what Wolf Filler gets. I know he tore his ACL two years ago, but he all, normally what he's dealing with is hamstrings and ankles and stuff that's like very avoidable if he had proper conditioning and if he had um, better if he was taking care, better care of his body, I'm not insulting how he takes care of his body. I'm just saying it. Some people can improve on it. Um, so another narrative that people are going to have, he's boomer bust. He, he disappears some games. Yeah. So is every receiver after the first five, this is a seventh round pick I'm talking about. This is not a third round pick. Um, and again, since we're talking league winners here, if by some miracle, like I said, maybe Will Fuller learns how to take care of his body better. He plays 13, 14, 15, 16 games. There's no way he's not a top 15 receiver. There's no way. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's 150 targets available from DeAndre Hopkins. 150. Those aren't, that's not chump change. DeHop is gone. He's, he was the number one receiver in the offense. Will Fuller has a connection with Deshaun Watson like nobody else on the roster currently because they brought in Brandon Cooks. But again, with the COVID situation and the potential of no training camp, it's best to err on the side of continuity where uh, quarterbacks, receivers have connections with each other already because there's not going to be as much of a learning curve. And as I said in the redraft video on Monday, you can lo- like you don't want to drop games early in the season because you'll fall behind. So a guy like Will Fuller, if he's healthy at the beginning of the season, which is which is obviously a big if, uh, should provide you value right away because him and his quarterback have great connections, the same coach, everything's everything's gravy. So yes, he's a risk, but he's a seventh round pick. Like you can it, like cutting a seventh round pick is not the end of the world after a couple of weeks if he goes down. And I mean, you got to risk in in fantasy if you want a league yeah. winner. You, you like he's not going to be available if he was so safe and he was a guaranteed lead winner, he'd be a third round pick. So, uh, yeah, I was just going to mention that too. If you're going to be playing redraft, yeah, like obviously early on first few rounds, I'd, I'd advise just taking the locks, taking the guys that are going to like be more safe. Seventh round, seven one, you're getting a guy with top 15 upside there. Take the shot. Cause you don't want to finish as a middling team. That's the worst thing you could be plain and simple because you feel like you have a chance to win it, but you know, your team's not exactly there and you're just going through the stress all year. Whereas if you suck right off the bat, okay, I suck, whatever big deal. Like flat out. If you're good, which you could be when Will Fuller hits, then you'll, you'll be thanking your lucky stars that you got a guy with that much upside at the seven Oh one. So yeah. And you uh, can get him. speaking of just a quick dynasty note too. I just got him in the 11th round of dynasty drafts. He's like 25 years old. Yeah. Like, like I said, if he somehow figures out how to battle these soft tissue injuries, like he'll get a new contract. But like, like I said, with Rashad Perriman, if he starts popping off and he's staying healthy, they'll probably extend him mid season. Yeah, for sure. And then he's tied to Watson for the next five years. And you got him in the 11th round of a dynasty startup draft. Anyway, side note. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's just flat out insanity. Will Fuller has always shown uh, his talent. I mean, for a former first round pick, you saw like the connection with Watson is for real. And DeAndre Hopkins is no freaking slouch, guys. Like, yeah, I think like we all the know that. Of target share and like just stuff that like, and you might think that that's a bad thing for Will Fuller. Like, oh, like he's not, he's taking away attention and stuff like the number one corner or whatever. But Will Fuller is not a bad player. Like no one's ever said that about Will Fuller. Like Will Fuller can handle a number one corner. Agreed. Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, aside, aside from Will Fuller, obviously great value. Uh, I'm getting into uh, my guy who, uh, Kind of has shown issues over the years too. I mean, once you hear this name, you'll you'll think of an incident in particular that we'll get into. But uh, it's Kareem Hunt going as the RB32 running back for the Cleveland Browns. So again, I mentioned many football fans can recognize the name Kareem Hunt. A very talented football player dropped in 2017 by the Kansas City Chiefs who showed as a top five overall talent at the position at his peak. And although we like to reminisce on what could have been uh, had obviously the unfortunate event that I'm not going to get into detail about 
not happened. Kareem Hunt will not uh, would would have been a locked in first round pick had that not happened. Keep that in mind. However, nowadays he's a complimentary back to the Cleveland Browns, and his ADP is still criminal at RB thirty two in redraft. The main argument against Hunt is the fact that he shares the backfield with extremely talented workhorse in his own right, Nick Chubb, the second leading rusher in the NFL last year. However, my argument is not here to bash Nick Chubb, as I think both will have an extremely successful 2020 campaign, but more so to show the public that they can coexist as top 24 options together, plain and simple. Uh, After returning from his eight-game suspension in 2019, Kareem Hunt showed out in the second half of last season, providing owners with 12.68 PPR points per game last season, which would have ranked 24th, and produced 37 catches on 44 targets in those eight games. Enter Kevin Stefanski, who piloted the, uh, piloted the Vikings to a 50.5% run-to-pass split, which ranked third in the league behind the 49ers and the Ravens, and included Dalvin Cook heavily in the passing game. Stefanski's presence will, presence will increase natural rushing volume and efficiency, replacing the abysmal Freddie Kitchens experiment from last year. I believe from standalone value alone, Hunt is an extreme value at RB32. However, when factoring in his value as a handcuff, it is a no-brainer to scoop up the stud. If anything were to happen to Nick Chubb, Hunt has shown from both a talent and situational standpoint that he would be poised to take over as a top-five option and get work, uh, if he got workhorse volume. So therefore, I mean, you're getting a guy who can ultimately win, win your league, both with standalone value and huge upside as a handcuff at such a cheap, sco- uh, cheap cost at this point. That's a smash in any format. Like... Plain and simple. It's RB 32's ass nine. Like, sure. so, yeah. Like I, well, before I actually didn't even mention this to you, but I was going to tell you when we, when we were researching these, not to pick any handcuffs and Kareem Hunt isn't a handcuff. I'm not saying he is, but most te- like most um, things you're going to hear of like league winners are going to be guys like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. Like these guys are handcuffs. That's what they are. They yeah. have a little bit of standalone value, but they're handcuffs. That's why they're potential league winners. Not because they're standalone value. Kareem Hunt is legitimately a flex like week in week out like whether anything happens to Nick Chubb at all. So the fact that you can get a dual handcuff, which is a handcuff with standalone value in what the early seventh round, probably. Yeah. 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 Or, or early seventh round, that's exactly like the type of, and again, I always say get running backs early, but you can find some in the mid rounds. It's not like there's zero. So if you do miss out on like, I don't know, maybe you only leave the first four rounds with like one running back, like getting a guy in like the fifth round and then maybe hunt in the, in the seventh is like a good way to kind of uh, balance out your team so that you're not screwed at running back because running back might be the least important position in the NFL. It's the most important in fantasy. So yeah, flat out. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Cause even if you took out the handcuff value, he would still be way worth that RB 32. Again, he was a top 24 option last year and only got improvements in the offseason. I didn't even mention they added two fantastic tackles. One in the yeah, draft, run one blocking the tackles too, specifically. Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. So uh, I didn't even go into detail with that, but I mean, top 24 option last season, only improvements are in the offseason with huge potential if Nick Chubb goes out. Go buy him up, guys. Like just- yeah, the scheme should improve. The, hopefully the quarterback play improves. Hopefully the receiver play improves with more chemistry and whatnot. And the, the, the obviously 12 personnel that Stefanski is going to bring to the tables like, should help both running backs because, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I love Kareem Hunt. I think he's going to be – I actually just traded him away, unfortunately, for <laughs> this video. But I traded him away for a guy on my list. So <laughs> I traded him for Ronald Jones in the Dynasty League. So. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I actually just drafted him in our latest uh, startup, obviously, with our listeners league. We'll plug that video uh, soon enough. You guys will uh, see how those startups are going on. But yeah, super pumped. Yeah, so uh, with that, we're going to get out of here. The, this was a lot of fun. This is the type of um, shit that 
I like making. I don't like, yeah. like, like I said, I, I, we're going to have like sleepers and stuff like that, like the typical fantasy stuff, but going into like thinking outside the box is this is the differentiator because I listen to, I'm sure people listening to this have heard other fantasy podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff. And fan, the fantasy industry has groupthink. It, it just does. Everyone has the same sleeper list. Everyone has the same breakout list. I'm trying to like, what we're trying to do here is not be those guys because we, we're trying to think outside the box. Like guys like Brashad Perriman, like if I challenge any one of you, if someone has them on a sleeper list, you tweet it at me because I don't think it's going to happen. So yeah, um, I mean, definitely. Uh, and if you have any guys at the bottom or in the comment section that you think are sleepers and no one's talking about, cause there is still such thing as true sleepers. Um, definitely sh- uh, shove them in the comment section. Maybe tell me I'm stupid because I like Will Fuller and he's going to get injured again, break my heart, which is probably going to happen, but one can only hope. Um, yeah. Uh, any feedback's appreciated. And if, um, if you like the content, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like, um, and share it. If you, if you think it can help other people, maybe not with your league mates, if you want to uh, win your league, cause that's what we do around here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with that, we're, we're going to get out of here. Everyone have a, have a great, uh, Thursday and, uh, we'll see you later. Peace out y'all.